0: All right. For our second message today, we have a sermon from Mr. Steve Andrews entitled, A Milk and Strong Meat. Mr. Andrews. It's interesting when we uh, are studying, we come across something very interesting. interesting. <clears throat> Especially those of us that prepare messages, and we say, "Oh, that would be a great message," and all of a sudden I realize I gave that one a couple of years ago. <laughs> but when I went back and looked at it, and I got to thinking about it, I think that it's very, um, very good for today. And so I even picked up my the book that I had written it in. Uh, I don't know what Lawrence is. I think the same way. He has a several of these books, and he keeps them, and so I have all these, and I go back sometimes, and I look, and, and sure enough, there it was, and I thought about making it a different title, like uh, Back to the Basics, or something like that, and I said, no, that's a really good title, too, so for those of you who um, have heard this one, uh, I hope that it's, that I've added a little bit to it, but um, not much, so I, it's it's the same one. In Hebrews This epistle. Imagine yourself as the very first one. I was thinking about this—the very first one to receive this epistle, this this letter. You open it. I don't know how the the ruler was on a scroll. I, I don't know how they how they did it. Do they unroll it? Do they have leaves of paper? <laughs> I mean, I'm not really sure about that. I haven't looked up that history as to how these how these epistles went out. But that very first one, that very first person that opened this, this epistle up, and he read in verse 1 of chapter 1, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spoke in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being in the brightness of his glory and the expressed image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand and the majesty on high. And I'm going to stop there because you can go on and on and on. Well, wait, actually, I want to keep on. I want the uh, verse 4 because I think I have verse 4. I no, I had just first thing, but I'd like to put it. Being made so much better than the angels, he has, he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Imagine that, opening and reading those very first words. How would they, how would they disseminate this? Now, it would have gone to an elder in the church, a pastor, a bishop in the church, and how would he have disseminated to his congregation? Maybe there were multiple copies that went out. Or maybe it was read by one. Your imagination can, can grow in that area because I'm not sure how that, would, how that happened or how that was um, uh, transferred to those who were at that particular time, at that particular age, listening or, or reading this epistle. And so consequently, he would, if this is the way it was done, he would have a Bible study and he would go through these words that were written in there. And I want to skip over to verse uh, 7 of chapter 5 to begin this message of milk and strong meat. That was a good introduction, and this picks it up here. Who in the... "...in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications, with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death, and was heard and that he feared, though he was a son, yet learned he obedience by the things that he suffered. And being made perfect... And that's interesting. Being made perfect. That, there's a recurring theme here in these first few verses, 7 through 14. Of perfection being made perfect, and also in chapter six, as it picks it up there um, at, towards the end of that, and this particular word here, being made perfect is is um, fifty forty eight to complete to finish now, it also means to be made perfect, but it also means to complete to finish um, a sense of reaching that uh, peculiar goal, and that 's exactly what Christ did. He gave of himself, and he reached that goal of the majesty of this book. (laughs) Because in this book, this particular epistle, we see him sitting at the right hand of the Father as the high priest and doing a tremendous work for you and I. He became the author of eternal salvation to all them that obey him. As you read and as you think about words in the Bible, I hope that you kind of sometimes focus on those very important (laughs) words because there are some um, key words that just kind of jump out at you. It says, he is the author of eternal salvation unto them that obey him. So there's a caveat there. You can't just accept Christ and then go out and sin and ignore the Savior. Ignore what He says. Ignore all that He has given us to understand about Him. Called of God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing you are also dull of hearing. Now, it's interesting it is interesting that there is some, for the, for the first person that this was written to, for the first people that it was written to, there seems to be uh, some admonition. <laughs> the writer seemed to understand who these people were, and yet the book becomes very, very complex. I mean, the epistle becomes very complex. For those of us who are very familiar with it, we understand that it explains the reason why there are no sacrifices today, because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And yet, there's some admonition that is written here. Because are of, you are of dull hearing, for when, for when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. That's the Ten Commandments. That's the truth. That's the Word of God. That is the Old Testament that they had, that they read probably every Sabbath. And are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. Have need of milk and not of strong meat. Now it's interesting that in 1 Peter the second chapter, Let's go to 1 Peter, the second chapter, and I hope I had this down for in that order. Beginning of verse 1. He says, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisy and envies and all evil speakings, he says, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if so be you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. And so there is a time in which there is a need for that milk of the word that that beginning milk of the word it's interesting that when we are first in this way and i know all of us have, have gone through this we there, there's like a, we're like sponges we want to absorb this this information we want to absorb what the bible says we read and we we take in and we we go wherever we can to, to learn more about what the Bible says, what God is teaching us, that spirit that's new within us, or while well, that spirit is leading us, that there is that desire within us to absorb the, that more and more. We want, that, we want that milk because maybe we're not quite mature yet. And I know for a very long time, when I was first in the church, it was very difficult. I mean, they would preach sermons and preach messages and, and go through things, and I would just I would have to go home and I'd have to study it again and again and, and think about it and meditate on it because it was, it was so new to me. Now, for, for some of the, our young people who have grown up in the church, those may be a little different. They, they've heard it all of their life. It's not like they came out of the world and they had to come into the church. To learn those things, but I when I came in, I had to I had to start from scratch. I had to start at the bottom. <laughs> I didn't know anything, and so that milk of the word was important to me. To learn as much as I could, and yet I was also at the same time I was getting a lot of strong meat. But the strong meat a lot of times went over my head, and we're going to we're going to see what he says about that here. Let's go back now to. To Hebrews, the fifth chapter, let's finish this thought that he has, he has brought up. You have need of milk and not of strong meat. And so there is a time in which we do need that. And is there also a time when we have to go back to the basics, like we're doing today. We're going back to the basics. We're going to talk about some basic things. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. And I was a babe, I remember so well, in the church. They would ask certain questions, and, oh, that was like, oh, that was so hard, and and, and yet it was maybe a very simple question. And I was having a hard time understanding some of that. God has to to give you an understanding and and, and work with you. But strong meat belongs to them that are of full age, even those who, by reason of the use of... Have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. See, so here's what's important. We get that foundational amount of understanding. But we also need to continue to grow. As it says that Christ grew in grace and knowledge. We also need to grow in the the Word of God so that we have the ability to do what? Discern between good and evil. And today, we need this probably more than ever, more than ever. We need this basic, strong meat, a foundation of milk, and, and the strong meat in our life. So let's go on. Let's think about what we have here. Um, uh, there was also a point here I wanted to make that the Bible study, it, it was important. Um, in Second Timothy, the, the second chapter, Let's just turn over there real quick. Because of this admonition, they would have had, the, um, in 2 Timothy uh, 2 and verse 15, they would have had, this, this would have part of their admonition, Study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Okay, so we're instructed that from a babe, <laughs> to, from milk to strong meat we're to continue to study that's what it's all about it's the word of God it's the truth we are instructed in those so let's go back now to, to Hebrews again and let's look here at, as we continue on in this chapter or continue into uh, chapter 6 therefore and as we've, been, as we've heard whenever you see something like the word therefore it's pointing back to what you, you just read Leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, and faith towards god and of faith towards God, doctrine of baptism, laying on hands and of the resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment, and this we will do if God permit. So I've read those now let's what we have here now. The point being made is that these are a part of our spiritual foundation. These are a part of our spiritual foundation. We are now growing in spiritual maturity. And these are the foundation that is laid. Christ's words and these things that we we, we just read. There's seven of them. The first one is the words of Christ or the beginning of the words of God, the teachings of Christ. These are the things that um, are basic that, that Christ taught we, I've got some scriptures that I want I'm I'm to bring out repentance from dead works we'll talk about that faith towards God and we've, we've had messages on faith so I'm not going to go into that very deeply today just maybe one I, got, I actually have one verse that I, I like to use uh, the doctrine of baptism or the teachings of baptisms and there's more than one the laying on of hands. Some of, those, some of you who are new may not understand why we do the laying on of hands. Well, we're going to read about that today. The resurrection of the dead. We've had messages on that, and I'll, I'll just uh, touch on that in the eternal judgment. So all of those are foundational, basic things. But that's what we're going to, to go into today. And, and it says here, in verse, let's go back to verse 1 again. Therefore, laying being the principles of the doctrine of Christ... Let us go on into perfection. That's 5047. That's a different word than it was used uh, to be made perfect. It's a different word, 5047. It's the state of the, more, uh, 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 or of the more intelligent. The state of the more intelligent. Now we don't want to be stupid when it comes to the Bible. <laughs> we definitely want to be intelligent when it comes to the Bible. And, and that sometimes is a lifetime process, isn't it? It takes us a lifetime sometimes to understand and and get all of what God wants us to to understand. Or, uh, uh, moral and spiritual perfection. Moral and spiritual perfection. It can also mean completeness. Completeness. In that vein, let's see what we got here. Let's turn first. I don't remember which one I had put up here. Um... Let's go to John 5.39. And if I've got the wrong one, I'm sorry. (laughs) back there. John 5.39. Jesus' words. Search the Scriptures. Jesus' words. Search the Scriptures. Okay. What Scriptures did they have? This was written long after a little after Christ died. So the Scriptures were the old what we call the Old Testament. Search the Scriptures, for in them you think that you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. Jesus' words. So he points back to the Old Testament, searching the Scriptures and studying those. So we don't, disc- we don't throw out God's Word. We don't throw out the, the Old Testament. We keep the Old Testament. some Some... Uh, congregations believe you should only have just the Old Testament and that's all I mean the New Testament and that's all you study we understand that God has given us this book as a way of life the Ten Commandments as we saw earlier where do you find them? you find them in this book in the Old Testament in Acts the second chapter on the day of Pentecost what do we find Peter preaching? He preached about Christ and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and his position right today. This is foundational. This isn't, this isn't, this isn't the meat. This is foundational. We should understand this, these things very deeply. And I want to pick it up in uh, verse 22. I don't want to read all this. Let's pick it up in verse 22. You men of Israel... Hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, the man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you as you yourselves also know. Peter's preaching this message powerfully to the men that are standing there, and there's, there must be thousands that are listening, because 3,000 are baptized after he preaches this message, because they're pricked in their heart. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God by uh, you have taken and, and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. whom God has raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held, beholden of it. For David speaks concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand, that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh shall rest in hope, because... You will not leave my soul in hell, neither will you suffer the Holy One to see corruption. So that, is, that comes right out of the Psalms. That's a Psalm of David. You have made known to me the ways of life, you have, uh, and you shall make me full of joy with your countenance. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Foundational. They don't go to heaven. David. Oh, you know, a a man after God's own heart. Where is he? At that time, he was still in the grave. Where is he today? He's still in the grave, (laughs) waiting for his call. Waiting for that day, for his call. He says, therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. Way, way back there. That promise was given. And he died, not seeing it, but believing it, that it would come to pass. He, seeing this before, spoke of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not to be left in the grave. That word hell means the grave, neither is flesh did seek corruption. This Jesus has God raised up, and there and whereof we are all witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God, exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has shed forth this, which you now see and hear. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he has said unto himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit you on my right hand, until I make your your foes your footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made that same Jesus, whom you have crucified both Lord and Christ. And we can take that personally, because all of us would be responsible for the death of Jesus Christ. But understanding at the same time that he is at the right hand of the Father doing the work that he's doing today. Tremendous and wonderful scriptures that we have. Understand, the words of Christ, We can't go through all of them. There's a lot of them in there. They're all the words in red. We add that to his life and how he lived and died. And we have the foundation of the words of Christ, that doctrine of Jesus Christ. Okay, in 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, just a real quick one also to add to that. Moreover, brethren, uh, verse, um, verses 1 through 4. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, the good news, which I preached unto you, which also you have received and wherein you stand. "...by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain." So, every time we read the Bible, we see those words, and we understand that there's something about putting those things into our mind, rereading and thinking about it, meditating on it, and keeping them in our heart, because keeping them in the memory, what I have preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. There is a way in which we can become uh, unbelievers." For I delivered unto you first of all that which I received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. According to the Scriptures. The foundational things. Three days and three nights It's part of the foundation of our understanding. We could spend a whole message on on just this one area of Christ and, and... And the doctrines of Christ and all that that He that He taught and preached and and how that all came together as we follow Christ in this life. So we go back to um, um, uh, Hebrews. We find the next one, and I won't. We don't need to turn back there. It's repentance from dead works. So let's go to Hebrews, the uh, ninth chapter and verse four. Even though we're I wasn't going to quote right out of that, but ninth, ninth chapter and verse, actually verse fourteen. Sorry about that. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself, offered himself, himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works, to serve the living God? So we're talking about repentance from those things that are ungodly. Worldly, what we would call dead works. The Bible calls them dead works. Okay, let's go to um, now. Let's go to John the sixth chapter, as we look at repentance from from dead works. John the sixth chapter, and verse twenty-five. And when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, when came you here? And uh, Jesus said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, You seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perishes, but for the meat which endures unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him has God the Father sealed." So are we out there laboring for meat that perishes, for the physical things? One of these days, especially when we come into the kingdom, we'll really consider those as dead works. As Jesus said, the body is, is nothing. It's the spirit that quickens. It makes us eternal. That little bit of spirit that dwells in us is the hope that we have. It's the hope that we have. And the things of the world, which are the meat that perishes, will not bring us everlasting life. Matthew, the fifth chapter. Matthew, the fifth chapter. And I, beginning in verse 13. Matthew five and verse thirteen, he says, "You are the salt of the earth, but the salt that has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is therefore good for nothing, but to be trodden, uh, good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under under the feet of men." Jesus says, "You are the light of the world. A city that is set on the hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under the bushel, but a, but on a candlestick, and it gives light unto all that are in the house. He said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. The light that we shine is the light that Christ is, has, has given us, which is the understanding of his word and the spirit that dwells within us. It is not the dead works of the world. And it's not those dead works of the world. Proverbs 14:12, all of us know this, there is a way that seems right unto a man, and it leads to death. Proverbs 14:12. Ephesians the second chapter, verse 10, Ephesians the second chapter verse 10. He says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. It's interesting. We've come out of this world. We've come out of the ways of this world. We've come out of... Sunday keeping, we've come out of Christmas and Easter. We've learned to keep the Sabbath. We've learned about the Holy Days, which we have just partaken of. But you know, there's still idols that are out there that can snare us. Symbols and things that we have to be aware of in this world that we live in and continue to repent from the dead works. It used to be that it was just the holidays. You know. I, I know that that was a struggle sometimes for all of us that maybe had lived in the world for a while and then had to come out of that. and We had to be able to overcome those various things just you know, to, because God said you know, they were abomination in His eyes. But today we have, we have new things that are dead works I mean I was trying to remember there was a some kind of a, a deal about how many hours um, young people f- uh, spend on um, uh, their um, uh, Facebook accounts and on their computer and on their uh, iPhones and things like that that could be an idol uh, being overly uh, stuck on the computer and and, and uh, doing things that um, take us away from God those are idols also this you need to be aware of the modern day idols the modern day things that take us away from from God the modern day things that can suck our time away so that we are not taking in the spiritual meat that we should be taking in that's part of the repentance from dead works which is a lifetime process because we're always finding new things that are taking our time away from us. And we know that. We understand that. Let's go on now to faith t- towards God. And that's Hebrews 11, 6, And everyone, I, we've read it many times. Hebrews 11, verse 6. You all can read it up there, but I'll add a couple of thoughts to it. Now, Hebrews 11, for those of you that, uh, I mean, this is the faith chapter. Uh, if you have Heights, it says, by faith. It's got the quotes, by faith. It says, without faith, it's impossible to please him without believing the things that have been written, the lives that have been led it's impossible to please him without believing that there was a Christ one of, a, a Jesus that came to this earth that lived his life and sacrificed his life for you and I it's impossible to, to please God for he that comes to God must believe This is a basic thing. This is so basic. Belief, Faith is so basic to our understanding of this way of life that He is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. So, as we grow in grace and knowledge and as we understand the Word, we start out from babes, we grow, and we get to where we can understand and, and process strongly in our system we grow also in faith and belief in what God is doing in our life. And so, understanding that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So the doctrine of baptism is interesting that uh, there are more than one. There are more than one. Luke 3.16. In fact, there are three. Three, verse sixteen. John answered, saying unto them, All, I indeed baptize you with water. So here's one, baptism by the water. But one mightier than I comes, the latchet of whom shoes I am not worthy to unloose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor, and will gather the Wheat unto his garner, but the chaff he will burn with fire unquenchable. We want, um, we understand the water baptism. We want the Holy Spirit to be given, but we don't want to be there when He uses the fire. Because that, you know, that's, that's the end. So let's, for water baptism, I think all of us understand Acts 2.38. So let's, let's go to Matthew um, 3 and 13. I hope this is the one that I can read. i got one page here that's in pretty bad shape. It is. It's the one that's bad. <laughs> then comes Jesus, verse 13, from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. So Jesus was baptized. By John, he set the example for all of us. But John forbade and said, I, "I have need to be baptized of you, and come you to me." And Jesus answering said unto him, "Suffer to be so now, for thus um, it is to fill, fulfill all righteousness." Let's see. Maybe I better write, "Suffer to be so now, for thus it becomes us to fulfill all righteousness." And then he suffered him. So they, they baptized each other. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway and out of the water. And lo, the heavens were open unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove and lighting upon him. And a lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So there is water baptism and it's complete immersion. Total immersion. We'll see Why? In Romans, the sixth chapter, understanding that sprinkling doesn't do it, and that's the reason why we we also counsel for um, maturity. Babies being sprinkled, then do it. They don't know what. <laughs> they have no idea. They sprinkle the water on them. They have no idea what happened. This is, the, this is why this is so important. Romans 6, beginning of verse 3. Know you not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. That's what the whole thing is all about. Baptism pictures death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also shall walk in newness of life. It is immersion, picturing death. If, if it wasn't completely under, it doesn't picture death. Just having a little water sprinkled over you is not baptism. John 1, Holy Spirit get being given. John 1, verse 29 to 34. Let's see if I can find that. He says, John answered and said unto them, I bab- baptize with water, but there stands among you one whom you know not. He it is who comes after me is preferred before me, whose shoes latchet I am not worthy to unloose. These things were done in, in uh, uh, let's see, I think I may have, oh, i got to go all the way to 34, don't I? <laughs> okay, just keep, keep going. These things were done in Bethesda. Uh, uh, Bethaborea, beyond Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next day John saw Jesus coming unto him and said, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After after me comes a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. And I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore I am come uh, baptizing with water. Joran bore record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove and it an abode upon him, and I knew him not. But he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said, Upon whom you shall see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. Jesus the work today is part of that is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, giving that Spirit. That's something the Father has given him responsibility for. Acts 1, Acts the first chapter. And I'll try to hurry along here. Let me skip a few of these. 1 and verse uh, 4 and 5. One, uh, just four, 4 and 5. 1 chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. And being assembled together with them, I commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which says he, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days hence. And we know that came about on the day of Pentecost. So I'm going I'm to skip over here now to, to fire. Let's go to Matthew the 13th chapter, and I'll probably just read one of these verses. Uh, uh, there's there's two of them in here But I'm, I'm just going to read Matthew 13 uh, 36, through four, 30, 36 through 43 And Jesus went uh, And Jesus sent the multitude away Verse 36 And went into the house And his disciples came unto him saying Declare unto us the parable of the terrors of the field So he just given this parable And he answered and said unto them, He that sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed are the children of the kingdom. But the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sows them is the devil, and the harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the the angels. And therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be at the end of the world. The son of man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and them which, are, which do iniquity. And they shall be cast into the furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. So there comes a time of fire and judgment. And that's something that we don't want to be a part of. That is also Christ's responsibility. Then shall the righteous shine forth. And this is where we want to be. The righteous shall shine, shine forth as a son in the kingdom of their father. Who has an ear to hear. Let him hear. So we look at those as baptism. The laying on of hands. Some may wonder, why we, why we do that? Why after baptism do we, we lay on hands? So let's go to Acts, the 8th chapter, the beginning of verse 14, and other times also when we anoint for healing and, and that. Now, when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet, um, he was fallen upon none of them, only they that baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. And so that's, that's why, right there. We, we lay hands on them, we pray for them, and we believe that God... Gives the Holy Spirit. Let's, um, well, I'm right there. Let's go to uh, Acts, the 14th chapter, verse uh, 21. And when they had preached the gospel to the city and had taught many, they turned, returned again to Lystra and Iconium and Antioch, and confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith, and that, they, uh, that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. And when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting, they commanded them, commended them to the Lord whom they had believed. And after that, they had passed through uh, Pasada and, and uh, um, Pamphylia. So uh, part of this is also the, the laying on of hands and the, uh, the praying and, and separating them uh, apart. And then James, uh, the fifth chapter. really hurriedly going through some of these, but I want to get through all of these uh, very important. Uh, James 5 and verse uh, 14, Is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up, and if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. And so... James says that if, if you're sick and, you, and you, you want to go before God and ask his, his healing, you call the elders and we'll pray for you. We will anoint you with oil and, and pray over you. Um, and, and Acts 19, just to let you know that also one of the things that um, we do, Acts 19, that if you're far away and, and you're sick and you would like, we can also... Sends you an anointed cloth, and we have that from uh, Paul's example in here, in chapter 19, and just two verses, 11 and 12. He says, "And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul, so that from his body were brought into the sick, uh, under the sick, handkerchiefs or aprons, and diseases departed from them, and evil spirits went out from them." And So we anointed a, a small cloth, and we send it can send it by mail to those who who need one, who who request it. Now, we're all familiar with the resurrection of the dead. And so, let's go to 1 Corinthians 15, and I'll just read a couple of verses here. And that one we have gone through quite a bit. That's number six, resurrection of the dead. i got to figure out where I'm at here. I probably could read it on the screen, but I feel comfortable in my book here. All right. And this is, this is very interesting here, 12 through 17. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? When I preach, uh, and when Lawrence and Barbus, any of us, or whoever, I mean, if, if you have a need to, to say some words at a funeral, Please, make sure you talk about the resurrection of the dead. They don't go there. Remember, it says they sleep until their name is called. So, Paul was very adamant about the resurrection of the dead. He says, but if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen. So, there has to be, the dead have to rise from the state of being dead. And if Christ be not risen, then is your preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are all found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up. If so be that the dead rise not. And he goes on to defend the resurrection with vehemence and adamant. And so if they reject this, they reject the Bible. (laughs) Eternal judgment. We, we just came out of the feast. We were there for the last great day, and we heard about eternal judgment. But let's just read a few verses here, 11 through 15. It doesn't take very long to, to finish this. And I saw a great white throne, him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead and the uh, small and great stand before God, the books were opened, another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged out of those things that, which were written in those books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead were, uh, which were in, in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to his works. Death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Whoever, and Whomsoever is not found and written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Very few verses explain a tremendous amount about God's judgment in the end. So let's quickly go back to Hebrews, the the uh, sixth chapter. Let's read those few verses that finish this up, and then um, that would be it. Beginning in verse verse four. For it is impossible, and we we remember we we talked about leaving the principles of, of the doctrines of Christ, and, and then these seven seven um, basic doctrines, and, and then it says in verse 3, This we shall do, if God permit, for it's impossible for those who were once enlightened, and have tasted the heavenly gift, were made partakers of the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. So all of us have done that. We've all had that wonderful blessing of understanding the word of God. If they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put into open shame. For the earth which was drinks in the rain that comes off upon the, and brings forth herbs, meat for them by whom it is dressed receives the blessing from God. But that which bears thorns and briars is, is rejected and is nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. But, beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love which you have showed towards his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that every one of you do show this same diligence and full assurance of hope unto the end, that you being not slothful, but followers of them, who through faith and patience, inherit the promises. We gain that basic foundation, but we also grow in grace and knowledge, in the word of God. And as the years and time goes by, we, we understand and grow in those things. There's a tremendous amount of encouragement in the Bible. But I'm going to just turn to the one last one last, uh uh, verses here beginning in verse uh, 19 of chapter 10 and this will be the final verses And having therefore brethren boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way and, uh, and like I said this, this book here this, this epistle is, is strong meat he starts out basically but it's strong meat which he has consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Once this foundation, once the the truth is there and we build and grow, let that... Let that strengthen us. Let us be, the, uh, strengthen us uh, to be ter- determined never to give up, never to, to, to turn back, never to give up this way of life. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, to love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another so much more as we see the day approaching. Brethren, That is so important that we get that foundation uh, but it's also important that we grow in grace and knowledge and understand those things that God has for us in His Holy Word.